Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Every hand lifted. Lord, we love you in this place. We give you all the praise and all the glory. There's none that compare to you. You're a strong tower. We can run to you and be safe. There is no other name whereby men can be saved except the blood of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus. Today we lift up that name. Come on, just say it one time. Say Jesus. We lift up that name today, Lord. We say there is no other name. There is no other resource. There is no other opportunity for men to be saved. And we thank you, Lord God, for visiting us once again today. For moving in our hearts, from changing us. We thank you, Lord God, for shifting our future. For giving us a hope that's only found in you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give God one more big hand. God bless you. You can be seated. Open your Bible to Psalms 121. Psalm 121. We'll get there in a minute. I want to talk this morning for a few minutes on how to stay faith-minded in difficult times. Who's ever been through something difficult? Just, just wave at me. Who's going through something right now, if we're just being honest? This stuff happens. You know what I'm saying? It seems like uh, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. That means when you get born again, you do not get excluded from problems. When you become a Christian, you do not get excluded from going through the storms of life. On the contrary, you might find yourself in more storms. But sometimes, uh, if we're really honest, we have brought some of the storms on ourselves. Oh, that's just me that's brought a storm on myself. (laughs) Some of y'all, the last mistake you made was in 87, praise the Lord. Glad you just keep the streak alive, you know. Sometimes we bring it on ourselves, and we can, we can look in those moments and begin to be frustrated with ourselves, and we should certainly measure and weigh what we're doing, but we want to make sure we don't speak for our adversary. We do not speak for the one who is casting accusations at us, because the Bible says uh, there is one mediator. How about I say mediator? Mediator is an interesting word. We don't use it that often unless somebody's in trouble, but it literally it's like an attorney. Uh, we have an adversary with the Father. We have an attorney with the Father. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, who the Bible says is constantly making intercession for you and for me. In other words, every time the devil throws a railing accusation, because he is the accuser of the brethren, when he throws a railing accusation against me, when he said, you know what, Brian Hallam is just too good looking, and I know that's a... Pretty tough accusation. You got Jesus up there going, hey, listen, I'm interceding. Don't you say anything negative about my little brother Brian. He's making intercession for you and for me. 
But sometimes we, uh, if we're honest, we've brought some things on ourselves. And I just want you to know, uh, you're in the company of heroes if that's the case. The Bible says Adam and Eve only had one rule. Everybody say one. One rule. Don't eat the fruit from this one tree. Now, there's lots of trees. You can have all the fruits you want off the other ones, but leave this one tree holy and separate, and they couldn't even follow one rule. The Bible says that Cain, their son, killed his brother. The Bible says Noah got drunk and ended up doing some things that he wouldn't have done if he had not been. The Bible says Abram lied. The Bible says Sarah laughed at the word of God. The Bible says Isaac uh, lied, which was just like his daddy did. In other words, if you don't deal with the junk in your life, just so you know, your kids will have to. When Goliath comes calling in the valley, you better go fight him because if not, your son is going to fight him and his brothers. Anything that you don't deal with gets compounded on the next generation. Generations don't typically move the ball forward unless it's on purpose. We have to be very purposeful with what we decide to uh, uh, deal with in our life. Lot, uh, Abram's nephew, Abraham's nephew, he split the whole family. The Bible says that, that David, he had a guy sent to battle knowing he would get killed so he could marry his wife. The Bible says that Jacob was just like a, like, a, like a trickster. He literally stole his brother's inheritance, his brother's blessing. What I'm trying to say is I'm not here to ridicule anybody in the Bible because we're going to see them one day and I don't want to be sitting at Starbucks on Glory Avenue and say, how about that May 6th sermon, uh, Brother Brian? How, how'd you like that? To, to have a conversation and be like, can you believe Peter said that? And then you're in heaven and Peter goes, oh, about that, what did I say again? <laughs> what I'm trying to say is the heroes of our Bible, oftentimes we remember David killing Goliath. Oftentimes we remember the walls of Jericho falling. But we seem to forget it was God using a bunch of imperfect people that were messed up from the beginning to do perfect, do the perfect will of God. But it took somebody not listening to what the adversary is saying constantly and deciding to believe that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and He will not fail me. God doesn't have to have me be God for Him to use me. He just has to use, He just has to have me me believe that the God in me can be used. So what happens is we got to get to the place where we're not speaking for our adversary. Don't ever look in the mirror and speak for your enemy. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Don't ever look in the mirror and speak for your enemy. Just because you don't have it all together, that doesn't mean you want to start agreeing with the devil about railing accusation that he's putting on you. But here's how we stay Faith-minded in difficult times. I'm going to give you four points pretty quick today. Number one. Everybody say number one. Number one, today is not forever. Doesn't it feel like it though? Like when you get a call and, and somebody says something to you and it totally just trips you the wrong way and it feels like you'll never get out of whatever you're in. And then you get out of it and you look back and you're like, I can't believe I let that bother me so much. Here's a a rule I live by. Never let something bother you for more than five minutes that won't matter five years from now. 
Never let something bother you for more than five minutes that won't matter five years from now. Now, if it's a big deal and it could affect the trajectory of your life or, or your ministry or your family or whatever, that's a different scenario. But all that other stuff, come on. It's got, have you ever seen a, a duck in a rainstorm? They never look wet. <laughs> it's just pouring rain on them. It's just rolling off their back. It's where we get the term, water off a duck's back. Or maybe we don't actually have that. Maybe that's just from the part of Texas that I'm from where everybody sounds like a country bumpkin. Praise the Lord. But we've got to get to the place where we understand today is not forever. My job is to hold on and not grow weary in well-doing because in due season, somebody say due season, due season you will reap if you faint not. That means that we're not going to look at today as if it's the end all. On the contrary, as soon as the sun sets on today, you know for a fact your future will be better than your past. So for us, we're not going to grow weary in well-doing because your due season is on the way. Well, 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 Pastor, I've been hearing about due season my whole life. Matter of fact, I've been prophesied to. I've read the Bible about season. I think it should be my season. Well, let me explain to you about seasons. There are seasons and times. Somebody say times. There are seasons and times. And, and if you go up to the, uh, the northwest, I don't know if you've ever been up there, but they grow the best blueberries and they have great strawberries and they just have great fruit up there. But uh, one of the things that's interesting is you can walk out in a field and you can see a whole bunch of strawberries and there'll be a ripe one sitting right next to one that has no business being picked. It might be strawberry season, but it is not the right time for every strawberry on the vine. Your due season is coming and hidden inside of your season is a time and that time that God has appointed. Listen, no devil in the hell can stop it. Listen, your, your, your angry family can't stop it. Somebody say amen. amen. The people at work that don't understand why you pray over your food every day, they can't stop it. The people at work that don't like the fact that you say God bless you and they sneeze can't stop it. The people that have been telling you no your whole life can't stop it. The people that told you you're too dumb to do that can't stop it. The people that told you you're never going to have enough, you're never going to make it, you're always going to be sick, you're always going to have a problem. Oh, they can't stop it when due season gets there. Listen, Almighty God has already orchestrated it and whenever your due season shows up and your time comes, I'm telling you you're going to be the ripest sweetest berry on the vine in the name of Jesus number one today's not forever number two somebody say number two number two we have to stay promise minded promise minded focused on the promises of God Isaiah 26 and 3 says he will keep in perfect peace somebody say that's me him whose mind is stayed on him. Perfect peace. Isaiah 26, 3. Perfect peace. Perfect peace. Him whose mind is stayed on him. You got to stay focused on the promises, and the promises of God do not fail. So if you want to know what God has promised you, in general, He's promised you a lot of things in the Bible. Every promise that is directed toward the child of God belongs to you. That means when he said, by his stripes you were healed, that promise belongs to you. So whenever you're sensing a different symptom or a bad report on your body, that's not the moment to 
uh, draw back unto perdition, the Bible says. We are not among them that draw back, the Bible says. We press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. So for us, we're going to stay promise-minded. Come on, when your money's not touching and agreeing, praise the Lord. We're going to stay promise-minded. My God shall supply my needs according to His riches in glory. And that settles it. Why does that settle it? Because God said it. We're not going to become uh, so pragmatic that we have to understand every single little thing because if you have to understand every single little thing, you have just removed the blessing from a lot of opportunity. The Bible said that Thomas, he doubted that Jesus was alive. And Thomas came and showed himself. Jesus came and showed himself to him. And he said, look here, here's the nail scars, hand, nail, nail scars in my hands. Here's the hole in my side. And Thomas said, well, I, I believe now, Jesus. Wouldn't you believe? <laughs> Jesus walked through a wall and showed you all the scars on his body. And he looked at Thomas. He said, you, you see me and you believe, Tom. He said, but it's more blessed for people to believe that have not seen because when you have not seen, now there's faith involved. Faith is the substance of the evidence of what we hope for and that we cannot see. So the Bible also says it is impossible to please God without faith. So the instant everything becomes understandable is the moment that the blessing comes off. It's more blessed to see, to believe and not see than it is to see everything and then believe. We got to stay promise-minded. God cannot lie. You know, a part of what you're going through is being allowed by God so that He can make you a spectacle on this earth. A lot of what you're going through is so at the end of it, you'll be able to testify to somebody that's going to go through it after you and you can tell them, my God delivered me and my God will deliver you. A lot of what you're going through is just God setting you up to set somebody else free. You see, when you, become, when you become a rescuer, it's most often because you have been rescued. Everybody has their past, but most of my friends, and I've never been on drugs, but most of my friends that were on drugs, they have an extreme passion to help other people get off of drugs. That's because once you've been rescued from a thing, now you have the power, you have the testimony because the Bible says that we overcome with a two-part recipe, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You mix it up and you have set other people free with what you have had to endure. So what you're going through, you are going through partly so that you can help others get set free. But we have to stay promise minded in other words we keep our mind stayed on him if god if you if you have children and those children are, are, are acting like you you've never met them praise the lord let me just tell you the bible says to a thousand generation your seed belongs to you a thousand generation there was a man in the bible and, and paul and silas they were they were in jail and it was about midnight and they were actually in the inner part of the prison. They were held in stocks. And the Bible says that in the middle of the worst time at midnight, they decided to sing praise and worship songs. So they started singing praise and worship songs. And when they sang, all of a sudden, the foundation of the prison was shaken because there was a great earthquake. And the Bible says that the chains and the stocks and the fetters fell off of Paul and Silas. 
The Bible said the prison doors that were holding all the other inmates swung open. And all of a sudden, there was one guard, and he was tasked to make sure that Paul and Silas didn't get away. And he comes in, and he's about to, he's about to fall on his own sword because he's so scared of what's going to happen to him because Paul and Silas are gone. And he looks over, and Paul says, whoa, hold on. Don't do that. We're all here. He said, we're just having church here in the midnight hour in the bottom of this prison, praise the Lord. It's a lot easier for us to shout for God when we don't have a bunch of chains on our wrists. He says, so God shook the foundation of this place and now I've been set free. And oh, by the way, while God was setting me free, he set everybody else free around me. The jailer looked and he said, hold on. He said, what do I have to do to be saved? He said, let me tell you something. He said, not just you. He said, you and your whole house will be saved. I don't care if your kids are acting right, not acting right, in the middle, not in the middle. They lost a say in the matter. When you gave your heart to Jesus, you and your whole house will be saved. Some parents need to take our children back. Some of us parents, we need to take our kids back. We need to begin to believe God. We need to begin to stop looking at what they're doing and start talking about what they're going to do. Come on, when they walk out of the house and they go to school, we'll say, we'll see you later, you blessed man of God, you. I don't even like God, Mom. You always drag me to church. <laughs> Why do you always do that? You just go on, you preacher, you. Get out of here. Daughter acting funny. Well, come here, you blessed woman of God. You, Mom, would you quit calling me that? Come here, baby. I got some detangler for you. You go brush in her hair. You take some anointing oil and you just put it all in her hair. Say, come on, let me get this wrinkles out of you. You're so blessed you don't even know it. Mom, I don't understand. I just want to go to bed. You go on to bed. I poured oil all under that mattress. You're sleeping on the oil of God. Don't you mess with me. You belong to me. God gave you to me. The Bible said the seed is in itself. My children were in me before they were out of me. They belong to me to a thousand generations. Oh, you think your kids are special. You better believe I think my kids are special. And I think you should think your kids are special. 100%. They come walking in talking crazy. Oh, that's not you. That is me. That's exactly what I think. Oh, that's not what you really think. You think God is able. I don't want to talk about God. You're going to. <laughs> you start talking and, and, and speaking the word of God over their situation. Some of us parents need to take our kids back. We need to stop looking at, at, at the government and the world and the TV and the Internet and stop trying to figure out all the different ways to raise them and go back to the B-I-B-L-E and begin to institute that in our families and see what God won't do in your house. you got to stay promise-minded when you're raising these kids. When they say something crazy, you got to be promise-minded. You can't listen to that nonsense, praise the Lord. Pour some oil under the soles of their shoes. Tear the insoles out of it. You say, you believe in that? I believe in all kind of stuff, praise the Lord. Listen, if it was good enough for the Apostle Peter, I'll stick a prayer cloth in my kid's backpack in an instant, praise God. Doesn't bother me a bit. God gave me those kids. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. You got some authority in the Spirit. You got some resources in the natural. And everything ought to be against what's against your offspring. The Bible says God will be an adversary to your adversary. That's why we should pray for our enemies. Because if we believe God and believe the Bible, He becomes an adversary 
to our adversary, now all of a sudden, listen, they, if they're against you, they, have a, they are at risk of having God against them. This is what God did. Oh, look, dark sky and flung stars in it. How terrifying would it be to have Almighty God again? That's why we can pray for, oh, God, don't kill them. God, give them one more day. They don't know what they're saying. They don't understand it. You pray for your adversary. And when you begin to pray for your adversary, you're doing exactly what Jesus did. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Number one, we got to understand today is not forever. Number two, we have to stay promise-minded. Number three, somebody said number three. three. We got to look up. We got to keep our eyes fixated on Him. You know, in the Song of Solomon, the Bible references one of the beloved having eyes like a dove. And dove are very interesting. Uh, I know because I hunt them every year, praise the Lord. But they have exceptional eyesight. But I've been told that they can really only focus on one thing at a time. Do you remember, Peter, when he got out of the boat and he was walking on the water with Jesus? Uh, The Bible says that when he got out of the water, that as long as he looked at Jesus, he was okay. He could just walk on the water. Wouldn't that be cool? Just walking on water. All the other disciples are in the boat. Peter, don't go out there. Peter, no. And Peter's like, if Jesus is there, I'm going. And he goes and he goes and he sticks his foot. And can you imagine the sensation? Your foot is supposed to just fall through water and his foot just stops on top of the water. And he throws his other leg over the side of the boat and boom. And he begins to wobble a little bit and he looks up at Jesus. And if I'm Peter, I'm doing something like this. He'd be like, ha, 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 I'd be looking back at all my friends. I'd probably grab my phone and be like, get a picture of this. Hashtag blessed, hashtag spirit led, hashtag storms don't bother me anyway. Standing on the boat, standing on the water. But as soon as he looked away from Jesus, he began to sink. Number three, you've got to keep your eyes fixated on him. It's... it's Today's not forever. Keep your mind on Him and keep your eyes on Him. Two visions. D-I, die means two. Division, division. Two visions is division. Two visions will split your life. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A house divided can't stand against itself. Can't stand against anything that comes up. You got to have a single focus. Listen, especially when you're going through something. Don't you listen to all that nonsense. Don't you listen to all that you're not going to make it. The devil is a liar. You are going to make it. You're coming out of this thing. You won't even smell like smoke when it's over. You're going to come out stronger and better. The God of heaven and earth looks over his word and has promised you many things. And those promises will come to pass. But you keep your eyes steadfast, locked on him. And the only way to look is up. Psalm 121. I'm going to read this quickly. I'll lift up my eyes unto the hills where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord that made heaven and earth. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. And he that keeps me, listen to this, will not slumber. 
The Lord is my keeper or protector. The Lord is the shade about my right hand. Verse 4, behold, he keeps Israel. The God that keeps Israel will never slumber, listen to this, or sleep. That means God never gets drowsy, never gets tired, and is always on alert. He never goes to sleep and says, you guys fend for yourself. He, have you ever had a, a, one of your kids have a, uh, I can't stand it. Sometimes ours have had in the past, they'll never have it again. They've had in the past like an upper respiratory infection. And they're just <clears throat> barking like a seal. And if it's not your kid, it's annoying, but it's your kid. It feels like your heart is coughing. Every time they cough or God help us when they're coughing and then they go quiet. And you go into the room and you're just, and it's three o'clock in the morning and you should be drowsy, but you're not slumbering and you're not sleeping because your offspring might be in need. You see, your heavenly father never sleeps, never gets drowsy. He's constantly looking over his word, constantly looking over you. He is your protector. He is your keeper, the Bible says. He said, the sun won't smite you by day nor the moon by night. Sun doesn't smite me because I wear sunscreen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Those of us without pigment require SPF 50. If I was any whiter with my shirt off, you could see through me. Borderline translucent like a gecko. I walk across one... No, never mind. I walk across one of these spotlights and y'all just see bones. Praise the Lord. Bones and some coffee. The sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. Verse 7, the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. Psalm 121, verse 7, he shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going in, your going out and your coming in from this time forth. And forevermore. Now that's a big word. We read it three times in two verses. He will preserve you. Somebody say preserve. Preserve. You know, fruit is very good. And I'll tell you why fruit is so good. Because it can be made into jelly. And jelly is good because it goes on a biscuit. And if you're where I'm from, this time of year... They grow these berries out on the fence lines and whatnot. We call them dewberries around here. Raise your hand if you know what a dewberry is. Bunch of hillbillies. Did y'all wear shoes to church? I'm just curious. How many mule-driven wagons are up here? Dewberries. Thing about a dewberry is you got to go get it. You got to be brave because there's snakes in the bushes. Go get you the dewberry. Put it in a bucket, wash the dewberry, smash and boil the dewberry, put some secret sauce in it, a.k.a. sugar, <laughs> little gelatin. And once you've cooked it just right, you pour it into a jar. But the last and most important step is how you preserve it. You got to take that jar and you got to boil it for a while. I believe that's how they do it. And what that does is it makes that jelly 
resistant, makes that container resistant to any harm coming in the future. In other words, it preserves it. You see, humans have been dying for thousands of years because we couldn't preserve our food and our water. You would go to a different place and you'd have to drink the water from the creek and there would be some kind of bacteria that you weren't uh, uh, familiar with, your body wasn't familiar with, and you might fall over and die. Or, or you go and you, you can't preserve your food and then all of a sudden you go on a trip and you can only pack what, what won't rot or, won't, won't, or what won't ruin. Nowadays, we can preserve stuff. We can put it in cans. We can put it in freezers. It'll last year upon year upon year. You can take some food and you can go all the way to the North Pole and eat it and you'll be fine. You can go all the way to the South Pole and eat it. You'll be fine. You can all the way go over the top of a mountain or the bottom of a valley. You can eat. You can eat in a submarine because it has been preserved. The thing about preservation is, though, preservation does not change the elements around you. It changed whether or not you are protected in spite of the elements. God said, I will preserve you from all evil. I will preserve your soul. I will preserve you when you go out and when you come in. That means God's not going to ransom you from every difficult situation. You're just going to be like that dewberry jelly. You're going to be preserved right in the middle of it. You're going through some stuff and God's going to get the glory for it. But the reality is, is God's allowing it to happen so the world will know you don't have a say in what happens to my offspring. I am the God of Israel. I never sleep nor do I slumber. My kids might be walking through it, but bless God Almighty, they are coming out of that thing and they will be preserved in the process. You keep your eyes up. Last one, number four. Matter of fact, stand to your feet, please. Number four. Come on. Let's all say this. Say, guard your words. God created everything in six days with a spoken word. You're in His likeness and His image. You follow the Bible from Genesis to Revelation constantly. The people of God are mimicking God Himself by speaking things into existence. The Bible says your mouth is the rudder of your life. It's not the biggest part of a ship, but it controls the ship. The Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue. Speak life. When you're going through some stuff and you're staying faith-minded, you've got to guard your mouth. Don't say what the world says. Don't say what everybody says. Quit saying everything that's cliché. Find a promise and hold on to it. And let me tell you, this is one of the best secrets you can, you can come across. This one right here was worth coming to church. If you don't know what the Bible says about your situation, don't say anything. Amen. If you don't know what the Bible says, then you don't know our position as a Christian. The Bible is what determines our position. When Crystal and I got married, we said, listen, we will agree... We will agree that the Word of God will settle all of our arguments. And we've only disagreed once or twice. And every time, every single time, we just go right to the Word. We say, look, we're both wanting to be correct. I don't want, I don't want to be correct. I want to know what is correct so I can line myself up with what is correct. You guard your words. And you begin to speak things into existence. I was at Academy not too long ago. And... and uh, we were buying some, some stuff for baseball season. This was a couple months ago now. And there's these two kids, eight years old. One of them walks up and picks up a pair of shoes. And he goes, oh, my gosh. 
And the other one said, what? He goes, these shoes are like $18. And the, kid, the other kid goes, is that expensive? He goes, yeah, that's way too expensive for us. We can't afford that. And he puts it back. And the other kid goes, oh, okay. That's too expensive. Listen, I'm not here to talk about the value of shoes. I'm here to talk about the power of your words. One of my kids heard that. And they started looking at shoes. Never asked me this before. Dad, can we afford these? I said, my God, we can buy every pair of shoes in here right now. We'll buy any pair of shoes we want in here. I said, our God supplies our needs according to His riches and glory, not our own riches and glory. And we're not fixing to go buy all the shoes. But I know the power of words and I'm not putting that seed into my offspring that begins to dictate to them that there are things that we can and things that we can't. When Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There's a shift that comes when you begin to guard your words. You begin to say what God said. And when you say what God said, listen, when you say what God said, you will see what God said. But we can't contradict the word and then expect it to come to pass. Number one, today's not forever. It's not. You got to stay promise-minded. God's going to do it. He's going to make a way. He's going to turn the whole thing around. And when you get to the other side, you will have two options. You will either get here and you'll say, yes, God did it. I knew he was going to do it. Or you will get here and you'll go, oh, God, I'm sorry. I doubted you in the valley again. Let me just tell you, it's a lot more fun to get to the other side of the valley and say, see, devil, I told you so. Keep your eyes on him. Don't look at your circumstances and your situations. Don't look at the issues that you're dealing with constantly, all the time. I know we're not living like an ostrich with our head in the sand, but we're also not magnifying what the devil's trying to do either. We keep our eyes fixated. And even in the storms of life, we'll refuse to sink. Lastly, you just guard your mouth. Maybe, maybe this is new to you. I encourage you. Open the Bible. Read it. And pay close attention to how many things are done with the spoken word. There's an old saying. It says, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie from hell. There's nothing more powerful than your words in either direction. And when they're not considered, that's middle of the road. And Jesus said, anything that's lukewarm is of no value. So at every opportunity, speak what God's Word said. With your kids, say what God's Word said over their life. You say, I don't know the Bible that good, preacher. I'm going to give you two. I pray that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Listen, he said, above all things, this was the desire. Prosper. I don't want you to have any lack. I don't want you to lack in peace. I don't want you to lack in joy. I don't want you to lack in family time. I don't want you to lack in employment. I don't want you to lack anything. Oh, and by the way, not just that, I also want you to be healthy. Because what good is all the prosperity in the world without health? And what good does that do for anybody? Come on, give God a hand of praise. Did you get anything from the Word of God today?
Please bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you're not right with God, you're not living right, you're not doing right, Jesus is not Lord of your life. All this is very important that I talked about today, but nothing is more important than your relationship with Him. Nothing. So today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. If you've never given your heart to God, or you would say it differently, you say, I used to walk with Him, but I'm backslidden. When I count to three, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand, and I'm just going to include you in a prayer. It would break my heart to know that you would come here and leave without meeting the Jesus that will truly change your life. If that's you, and I count to three, just lift your hand real tall. Nobody's looking around. One, two, three. Lift it real tall. I see that hand. God bless you. 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 Is there anyone else? We won't rush this moment. Maybe God's just been tugging on your heart for a while. Maybe your hand feels heavy right now. I just want you to know, undoubtedly, when you lift it up, the Bible says that He will remove. The Bible says we can cast our cares upon Him because He cares for us. Let Jesus heal you today. Let Him change your life today. One, two, three. Lift it up. I see that hand. I see that hand. God bless you. Thank you, sir. If you lifted your hand or you wanted to, pray this prayer after me from the bottom of your heart. Matter of fact, church, help us pray. Say this. Say, Oh, God, I come to you now. I ask you to save me. I repent of my sins, and I make you the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. If that's you and you gave your life to Jesus today, we'd love to know about it. Your next step is to begin to be discipled. That means to learn more about this Jesus that loves you so much. Next Sunday at 10 o'clock, our Unbroken Faith Discipleship class meets in the new room in the lobby. It's a place where the two uh, barn doors are. It's a wonderful class. Next week, it's all about priorities. See, when you get born again, the priorities of God become our priorities. We begin to pursue what He pursues, and we begin to see Him in every facet of our life. But we have to know it to do it. The Bible says this, My people, God's people, this is God talking, God's people perish for a lack of knowledge. If you don't know your rights in God, you can't apply those rights. But when you do, now all of a sudden, things begin to shift when our priorities line up with His priorities. There's a card in the chair in front of you. I encourage you, fill that out. Let us know you got born again today. Drop it by the tent so we can get some other resources to you. Lastly, I'm going to ask one more question. If you're here today... And maybe it's your first time or you've been coming for a while, but you know this is the church for you. This is the house God's called you to. The scripture says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in his courts. It doesn't matter how big and strong the tree is. If you uproot that tree, it will die. That's why for us, we want to be planted firmly in the house. The Bible also said that every grace that's on this ministry will be on your family, will be on your home. So when somebody gets born again, you're a part of that. When somebody comes off drugs, you're a part of that because we're all working together with one vision. And if you know it, church, help me say it with me. We exist to love people and point them to Christ. So if that's you and you're here today 
and you don't, you don't, you know that this is the church for you. When I count to three, just lift your hand and let us tell you we love you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. Not going to embarrass you. None of that. But we do want to celebrate with you. If you want to make New Heights your church home, lift your hands when I count to three. One, two, three. Lift them up high. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. God bless you back there. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Praise the Lord. Listen, guys, you are making a phenomenal decision. You have friends and family that uh, we cannot reach without you. You're the light in the darkness in every environment that you come into. If you lifted your hand to join the church, please do this last favor for me. Take that card and fill it out one more time. Even if you filled it out 10 times, mark on there you want to be a member and drop it by the tent so we can get you all the information about being a member. Lastly, if you came to our church for the first time, we are so thankful that you did. Uh, We'd love to have you back. And next time you come, bring all your friends and family. Amen. Give God one more big hand of praise. Lift your hands to receive the blessing. Father. I ask you to bless those who are joining this great work today. Bless them in their coming in and their going out. Let every grace that's on this house hit their family. As we continue to stay promise-minded, to keep our eyes on you, and to keep our words guarded. Lord, I thank you for blessing them as they're joining this work. Let their families be enriched in every area. Now, for every person under the sound of my voice, God, I pray that you would bless them in their coming in and their going out. Bless them in the city and the field, this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.